I told George Thomason that this message is going to be like the little boy's sack lunch. And he said, well, that turned out pretty successful. We'll see how this goes. So, go in your Bible to the New Testament, book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew 18. The Can you give me some titles that Lowe's has had down through the years? Let's build something. That's right. Let's build something together. Another one was uh, Lowe's Knows. And you get in there sometimes, you wonder about that, but, uh, and the one that they've got right now is never stop improving. Never stop improving, and we're going to tag one word to that, tears, because that's how I've been feeling this week. So, never stop improving, and where we're going to do that is by tears. Let me read some cards here. This is from Sydney Greenwalt, dear Pastor Mark. I hope you feel better. We're all praying for you. Love, hope, peace. This is from Riley Greenwalt, dear Pastor Mark. We're praying for you and praying for quick recovery. We will always have you in our prayers. This is from Paige Greenwald. Get well soon. I love you. We have you in our prayers. And I have this from, came at a great opportunity for me this week. Uh, dear Pastor, dear Pastor Mark, we wanted to let you know how much your ministry, friendship, and trust has changed our lives. When we came to Orchardville Church 12 years ago, we were spiritually broken. Our trust in church and preachers was at an all-time low. Through your integrity and faithfulness to God's call, our faith was quickly restored. What a breath of fresh air it was to go to church, enjoy the singing, preaching, and fellowship, and leave feeling better. That should be a criteria at church. You should go and you should be feeling better than when you showed up. Amen. Amen. You and Kay, without a doubt, have been an answer to our personal prayers. I hate to think of where we would be today if it had not been for the two of you. I seriously doubt I would have answered the call that God placed on my life 45 years ago at the age of 15. I, too, was a field. You saw a treasure in my field that no one else saw. Uh, Michael Gill told me a few weeks ago, he said, I've heard you preach a lot of, so, a lot of sermons, but he said, I've got to think that uh, that one's going to stay with me about the longest, about the treasure in the field. You saw a treasure in my field that no one else saw, and that treasure was being a pastor. As much as I love and enjoy music, I love being a pastor even more. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking a chance on me. And the change in Jennifer since we started attending Orchardville Church has been phenomenal. I don't know if she has ever shared this with you, but the first couple of Sundays we attended, 
I was totally immersed in the worship, but she, being the hard-headed person she is, refused to sing. And she gripped the seat in front of her to make sure she did not lift her hands. The enemy was working on her big time, and I think it was the third Sunday that she finally came, gave in. The rest is history. From time to time, I open my office door slightly so I can listen as she teaches the ladies' small group on Tuesday morning, and I'm so amazed at the calling and gifting that God has placed in her life. She has gone from an immature Christian lady to a woman of God with great wisdom and insight. Had we not started attending Orchardville Church, I doubt she would be where she is spiritually today. So again, from the bottom of our heart, we thank you for taking a chance on both of us. We are forever in your debt. We love you and Kay, and we pray for your healing every day. Steve and Jennifer Upchurch. Listen, you've heard me say this before. I can do without, I'm a big boy, I can do without cards and letters. But I can't do without the love that's behind the cards and the letters. That's what resonates, and that's what sticks with me. That's what sticks with me. Never stop improving. I'm going to skip some of the reading. Uh, Matthew 18, uh, starting verse, verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Turn that nickel over. Turn that record over and play it the other side. The other side says that it would be God's will for people to be born again. That's how that works. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, and he shall hear thee, you have gained a brother. If he will not hear thee, then take two or three with you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let them be unto thee as a heathen man and not a republican, a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that shall ask, it shall be done for them, my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The sister verse to this. We could read three or four of them. One would be in Ecclesiastes, but I'm not going to read that. Let me go to Ecclesiastes time, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 4. We have been made emotional beings. There is a time to weep, so says the Bible, and a time to laugh. We are emotional beings. And I think if we fight against that, we hurt ourselves because God has made us as emotional beings. And when we stop improving what happens, we turn to ruins. I believe the older you get, the more you resemble where you're headed. If you're an old fuddy-duddy and you hate everybody and you're mean as a junkyard dog with AIDS and you're telling me that you're on your way to heaven, you ain't. <laughs> you ain't. No. Like you start resembling where you're looking to go. 
Will Rogers said, even if you're on the right track, if you sit there, you'll just get run over. So we've got to do something. And as God's creation, he has given us emotions, a time to weep, a time to laugh. Preacher, my man, he never cries. Oh, he'll show some kind of emotion. That's right. And I truly believe that the act and even the benefit of crying shows that a person is alive on the inside. It's how you view things, how you look at things. My brother Greg says every time they round the bend coming to church on Sunday morning when Grandma Dorothy's with him and Becky, when they round the bend at Kistner's Corner, there's always a bunch of cows that's out there. When the cows are standing, Grandma Dorothy said, oh, the sun's going to be shining. If the cows are all laying down, she goes, oh, it's going to be bad weather. It's going to rain. Greg said last Sunday they went by and half of them were standing and half of them were laying down. And Greg said, Grandma, what's that mean? Fair and partly cloudy? And she said, shut up, you idiot. So it's how, you, it's how you look at things, it's how you see things. Years back, I got the, the occasion on two different times to see the ruins of Capernaum, of, of Megiddo, of Bethshane, of Chorazim, of Bethsaida, and on and on and on it goes. And all you see is the ruins. The ruins are there. Yes, a great empire at one time, but now ruins. The Babylonian Empire was a great empire. The Medes and the Persians was a great empire. The Greeks was a great empire. The Romans was a great empire. But now, it's just ruins. We've seen ruins of denominations. John Wesley would not even today, in many of the churches that he started, be welcome to preach at a Methodist church because of ruination. We've seen the ruination of great institutes of learning. The University of Chicago started on the sacrificial giving of God's people, and now it is a total left-wing liberal college. The ruins of Princeton, of Harvard, of Yale, the ruins of Temple uh, University there in Philadelphia. Again, started by the sacrificial giving of God's people. And now, the Bible is not even taught there. The ruins of great churches, Spurgeon's Tabernacle that seated 3,000 people have currently 300 people that attend church there in London, England every Sunday morning. Jimmy Swagger's church that run 2,500 in its heyday has 250 people in attendance. I've seen ruins of men. Mel Trotter, who was an alcoholic, and, and how God was able to, by his amazing grace, touch that man to where he was so low in the Skid Row area of Chicago to where his little baby was dying, and the doctor gave him the money to go to the pharmacy to get the, to get the medicine, but instead he went and spent it on cheap wine and, and drank and 
got to the funeral home and it was too late and there his baby was laying in the casket and this male trotter, this, 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 this nothing of a man who had shrunk down to where his life meant nothing to him. He acted as like he was weeping over his baby's body and instead he was stealing the little shoes, the little booties off of her feet and putting them in his pocket where he could go and that night buy some more cheap Muscatel wine. And you look at a guy like that and think, it's nothing but ruins. How could this man be salvaged? God did. God did. God used a song to touch Mel Trotter's heart. And Mel Trotter became... Back 30 years ago, the greatest missionary that there ever was to alcoholics in America. God was able to touch that man. Don't let sin and cynicism steal your tears. It's very easy to get hard at people, and it's very easy to, to, to just say, well, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's very easy to have a cynical look at people, but... There are a lot of hurting people out there, and if the church is not going to help, heaven help us, where will people get the help? Chester Hedden told me a long time ago, he said, Mark, I've noticed this. In the course of your preaching, when you cry, that's when I cry. And I think there's valid truth to that. I think there's a valid truth to that. John eleven thirty five. 35, you all know that. The two verses, the two words in the Bible, what are they? Jesus wept. Jesus didn't show up at Lazarus' bedside and graveside at the exact time that the family wanted him to. He waited. He waited four days, and by the time he was there, that Lazarus had already died. And people say, preacher, I don't like that. It'd been better if he had showed up. I want a God that will do what I want done, when I want it done, how I think it should be done. And God don't always work like that. I'll give you four points. Why are you trying to be God? Number two, retire from that job. Number three, relax. Number four, go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard. <laughs> Lazarus presented, was presented before the Roman Caesar Caliglia, one of the meanest men that ever lived. And in the presence of Caliglia, this is the words that he spoke to Lazarus. Renounce your faith in Jesus. And what did Lazarus do? Lazarus laughed. The sequence went on. Renounce your faith. I have the power to put you to death. Lazarus laughed louder. Lazarus said, you can't hold me in fear. 
Death is dead. Eugene O'Neill wrote that, and the book is called Lazarus Laughed. And we don't know if that ever happened or not. But Eugene O'Neill was a humanist and an atheist. And that story so gripped him that if that would be true, that if Lazarus would have come back from the dead, Jesus would have been the resurrection, he felt that is exactly how that story would have played out, that he would have been went before uh, uh, Rome, and Rome would have tried to uh, have Lazarus denounce his faith, and of course, Lazarus would not denounce his faith. Death had been defeated by the power of the resurrection, and that had put a steel hope within the man we know as Lazarus. At Lazarus' tomb, Jesus wept for a hurting family. And you know, that's what I see. That's what I see at funerals. And the older I get and the longer I live, it's what Solomon said. Solomon said, I learned, put it in today's Wayne County vernacular. Solomon says, I learn more at a funeral than I do at a party. And I think the older you get, the more you get that way. Because it makes me to stop and take reflection of preacher, well, what are you doing? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? What are you doing in somebody's life? How are you trying to help someone else? And it's not just something, a rote type, rut type thing to where we go through something, but it actually means something within us. So at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus wept for a hurting family. At Jerusalem, Jesus wept for a hurting city. And in the garden tomb, Jesus wept for a hurting world. And I see a small stream of tears at that family's behest and bequest for Jesus to be there at that funeral. And then I see tears that turn into a river of oceans when he is there at Jerusalem. And then I see a tears that turn from a river into an ocean when he is there praying for the sins of the whole world. When Joseph reunited to his brothers, the Bible says he wept. Let me give you some insight on this. Some of you like it, some of you won't. That's how all my preaching is. Jesus tells the disciples on occasion to, for them, you know, to come near. Joseph tells his brothers, come near. He says, I am Joseph. Come near. Where are they at right, right when he says that? What country? Egypt. They're in Egypt. At present count in Egypt, just counting the Jewish people that we know of that were there at that time, would have been Joseph and his brothers. They're the only ones that circumcised. I'm Joseph. You're second to Pharaoh. You have life and death over the whole world. How can you be our brother? Come near. He shows them the sign of the covenant. 
that he is circumcised, they then know he is our brother. Without any doubt, they know that he is the brother. And Joseph put them through a string of mm, difficulties, proving them, especially the two that were most abusive to him, that they had truly repented. And they was willing to offer up their own son to give back to Joseph and for them, uh, 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 for Joseph to take their own son and for the, uh, that whole thing to happen. And, and they were truly, truly repentant. And one, like Reuben says to the others that I am more sorry than, than the rest. But there was, there was a weeping time that happened on that day. Hannah wept when she prayed for a son. King David, many, many, many times, he wept. Bible says he wept at the hearing of the death of his son. My son, my son, Absalom, my only son, would God, I had died in your place. The Bible says that King David wept when King David, at his eulogy, when King Saul had passed away and David did the eulogy. Abraham Lincoln, during the course of the war, many times he was found praying and crying. We've seen athletes weep. Lou Gehrig, as he stands at Yankee Stadium and he weeps in front of the thousands of people that's there. We've seen Michael Jordan weep as he clutched that ball at the end of the game as he was laying on the floor and his dad had passed away a few months earlier. It's part of the human condition. It's not a bad thing. Jan Herman, one of the letters that, that I got it, in the letter, she talked about Superman and John Wayne. Well, you know what? I believe it's all right for Superman and John Wayne to cry. When I was 14 years of age, and I don't remember what I'd done. But it was wrong. <laughs> and at probably one or two o'clock in the morning, I walked to the door of mom and dad's bed, and I knocked on the door, and immediately, mom said, Mark, come in. And I walked in, and I knelt at her bed, and I said, Mom, I'm sorry for what I did. And she hugged me, and she said that she knew that I was. Less than a year later, those same kind of feelings were stirred within me when I heard somebody preach the gospel. And instead of me saying, Mom, I'm sorry, I remember kneeling at an old bench and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. And it was just as real as if my mom would have said, I know you are. And I felt that in my spirit. Yes, I know you are. God 
wants to move us. And I think as Jesus was moved by his compassion and it drove him to do something, a church that's filled with somberness and no tears is going to be more hard to move off the block than people that's going to have some emotion and get excited and get real. Have you lost your tears? The Bible says Jesus wept. When the pulpit's eyes are dry, the congregation's tears will be dry. Brian Fuller preached last week, and I've already told you, I get, that's when I really get things that God just kind of drops down in me. And this is something that years ago I used and really haven't preached again. Karen Wason can tell you about it. She talked about this message for weeks after I preached it. If there's no so that, so what? Jesus and the, and the three disciples were on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And there, the glory of God was there. And Brian alluded to where Simon Peter said, let's build. He had to say something as stupid as all get out. But let's, let's build three booths here, one for, one for each one. And you know, it was a dumb thing to say, but, you know, he had to say something. And from there, the Bible says, they walked down from the mount into the valley. The mount of God's transfiguration to where the literal, the deity of Jesus was shining and radiating out from him. And Jesus said, let's just stay up here and let's just have camp and we'll never go down to the other side of the... You know, there's pr people got problems down there. Let's, no, let's, up here's nice. No. The so that was for the disciples to get filled up with the glory of God to when they walked down that mountain into the valley of human suffering, and there people were helped. Nobody enjoys going to church and having a happy, clappy time as much as I do. But I know there is a reason for this. And it's not so that my goosebumps can have goosebumps. I've heard this for 30-some years. Oh, church was so good. Oh, it was so good last night. Woo, it was so good last night. We didn't even have preaching. Well, it wasn't any good then. <laughs> Jesus said that, that he set them down and taught them. That's after he would draw out legs and heal people and bring them back from the dead. And then he set them down and he taught them. Yeah. There's got to be a reason why God fills us up. And there's a reason we're on that mountaintop so that we can walk down into that valley and meet the needs of human suffering that's in that valley. Yeah. 
Never stop improving. Preacher told me a long time ago, Mark, you know, Orchardville Church, uh, you built the biggest church in Orchardville. Ah. Sila, I'm done. It's all. Isn't that a thing? Isn't that a thing? No. There's got to be a so that. We get filled up so that we can go down into that workaday world where people are at and really need care and really need help and that we can give that care and that help. Think of this church, and God gave me a dream one time to where it was like a hospital. And all the nurses and doctors that was in this church that currently do that for a living, I seen them, they were all out in the foyer, and people were coming in, people were being helped, and that's what the church is. That's what the church is. And again, we're not going to do it dry-eyed and really not having a care. We'll do it when God uses our emotion. And this is what, this is just this, this is just a week for me. It's just what I've been feeling. I may be so mean next week that uh, you say, who is this guy? <laughs> but for right now, I mean, this is just, God's going, God's got to get a hold of our emotion to where we can get off the, uh, Get off the gate, starting gate and get in and get, and get moving. Never stop improving. One of them ways is going to be with tears. Bow your heads, please. Lord, we know the Mount of Transfiguration was the Mount of your great glory. But God, also I know that that valley was a place of you being able to minister. And I'm praying, God, that we as a church take that same thing to life and light within our own heart. It's a place of ministry. When we step out of these doors, it's a place to minister. Lord, when I see people pull up every Sunday morning, I think, here comes the church. And then when the church is over, when I see them get in their cars and I see them leave, I think, there goes the church. Thank God. Here comes the church. There goes the church. And the church is going to go out into different factories. They're going to go out in different fields. They're going to go out in different places. They're going to go out in different homes. And they're going to meet needs. Thank God that's where we need to be. Because where the valley is where the people are suffering. And if there's no so that, so what? So what? It's more than just having a good church service.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2000.
2677.